All right, well, we, we are in the middle of an, ad, an, an Advent series, and the season of Advent is that time in the calendar, the church calendar, where we stop and we take some time uh, to focus on the birth of Jesus. And so uh, we're spending the month of December doing that. We're doing that by looking at the Gospel of John. So uh, John, uh, John's Gospel has a prologue, the first several verses. And so we're going through the prologue, and uh, all the other stories of Jesus kind of begin with uh, the events surrounding the uh, birth of Jesus. But John, in the prologue, uh, tells us not so much the events, but the meaning of the birth of Jesus. And so uh, last week, or a couple weeks ago, we, we were introduced to uh, Jesus. Uh, John calls him the Word. And uh, this week, we're, we're, we're introduced to a character called John, John the Baptist. Now, John is a very important part of, of the Christmas story. Uh, but I think we usually don't think of them this way. So uh, you think about the Christmas story, who do you think of? Who are the, the usual uh, suspects? Uh, you know, in the pageants and the Christmas uh, carols that we sing, uh, usually, you know, you think about uh, the, the angels, right? You know, who are singing uh, glory to God. You, you, you think about the shepherds who are out there in the field uh, watching their, their sheep by night. You think of uh, the, the wise men or the magi, who visited Jesus. Uh, you think about Herod. Even King Herod is a, is a main character, of course, uh, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. Like, like these are the usual suspects. Uh, these are the characters that, that we associate with Christmas. And I think we hardly ever think of John, John the Baptist, as a, as a central uh, character in the, uh, in the Christmas story. And I get it. John's a little weird, isn't he? Uh, he, he dresses funny. He eats funny. He's, uh, he's kind of out there, hippie, grunge, in the desert. You know, he doesn't come off as very Christmassy, right? But what I want you to see is that, is that in, in the four Gospels, John is a central part of the Christmas story. He's always central. And so uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, every single one of those uh, Gospels, John is right there mentioned around the birth of Jesus. He's central to those stories. And then even in uh, John's Gospel here, uh, the first proper name that we, that we encounter in the narrative here is John, John the Baptist. So John is crucial. John is really important to understanding uh, Christmas. And so I was thinking about it. Last week, the staff was talking about uh, we didn't do a Christmas float this year uh, during the parade. And so we thought, you know, we would, we would have a float and, uh, you know, Sam and Julie would be Mary and Joseph, you know, with little baby Jesus. And then Barbara and Tara would be dangling from apparatus as angels. And then I, I would be out in front of the float as John the Baptist, dressed in camel's hair, eating bugs and honey, and uh, preparing the way, right, you know, in front of the float. You know, let's bring John back into Christmas. But why is John so important? What, what does John tell us about, about Christmas? Why is he he's so crucial? Why is he part of every story? What, what, is, he, what is John uh, here to teach us? Well, uh, at the heart of the story, there's a question. At the heart of the story of John, there, there's a question that some people come and they ask John. And the question is, who are you? John, who are you? What is your identity? What is your self-understanding? Uh, what is your self-imagination? What is your self-regard? Who are you, John? And this is an important question. It's a very, it's a very modern, contemporary-sounding uh, question, isn't it? And there, there are many of us who spend the majority of our lives asking ourselves that question. Who am I? Right? Who am I really? What is my, what, you know, what's, what is my status? What is my place in this world? Who am I? What is my identity? 
And, 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 and so John uh, teaches us something uh, really important about how to answer the question, who are you? And the way he answers it, uh, it teaches us something about how we ought to answer uh, that question. And so I'm just gonna jump right into the story. We're gonna, we're gonna get into the narrative. And it begins here, uh, we'll just start in verse six, where it says, there was a man sent from John, or from God, from John, from God, whose name was John. And he came as a witness, to bear witness about the light. So John's gospel is almost an argument, you know, he's making a case for uh, the, the deity of Jesus. And so John here is a witness to that argument, sent to bear witness uh, about the light that, he, that all might believe through, uh, through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And then John goes on, talks about Jesus. He picks up uh, the story of John the Baptist again down in verse 11, and it says, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And the, and the prophet, as the prophet Isaiah said, and we'll stop there. So we see here a question. Uh, some people come to John and they ask him a, a question. Let's get some context. So John, uh, John was, uh, he was, uh, had a very miraculous birth. He was born of uh, Elizabeth and Zach- Zechariah. Uh, she was barren, and so uh, his birth was a miracle. There were prophecies around his birth that he was destined to be somebody great. And it turns out that he was uh, very, very popular, and so we meet him here uh, preaching <clears throat> in the desert, and there are thousands of people uh, going out to hear John preach. He's, he's immensely popular. Uh, thousands of people uh, are out there. Huge crowds are drawn to his preaching. He's out there, you know, baptizing, and, and people are gathering around him. Uh, what's interesting is he, he came out outside of the right channels, and so uh, John wasn't, wasn't trained by some accredited rabbi. He didn't go to some approved seminary or, or uh, institution to be educated. John, he went out through uh, outside of the right channels, and yet he's incredibly, uh, he's credi- incredibly popular, um, and, and, and uh, you know, he's talking about the Messiah. And so in those days, there was a belief uh, in the coming of the Messiah, and the Messiah was uh, conceived of, of, of a person that would come and rally the Jews uh, against the rule of Rome and, and sort of lead a revolt against uh, the oppressive uh, Roman rule. So he's talking about the Messiah. And then also there was a, uh, in that day, there was a, a hope that before the Messiah would come, there'd be a, a figure like uh, Elijah who would come and prepare the way. So Malachi chapter four says that when the Messiah comes, there's gonna be an Elijah figure who's gonna come preparing the way, uh, getting everybody ready uh, to to receive the Messiah. And so questions were circulating about John. Who are you? Who is this guy? You know, is John John the Messiah or does he think he's the Messiah? Um, Or or maybe John is the Elijah figure. Uh, You know, he's out there in the desert, you know. Maybe he's cultivating an Elijah-like persona out there, eating locusts and wild honey. So is is he Elijah? Is that who he is? And so uh, questions are circulating. John is incredibly popular, and he gains the attention of the religious authorities, right? The religious authorities were, uh, you know, of course, they're uh, always nervous about uh, revolts, you know, and people claiming to be the Messiah. 
uh, because Rome, uh, they, they wanted peace in Israel, right? They wanted uh, this province to be peaceful. Messiahs uh, meant uprest. Uh, they meant uh, the, the peace would be deserved. And so, of course, uh, the religious people, the, the elites in Israel, are really concerned about who John is. And so they go out. Uh, the, the, they, they send out an, an investigative team to figure out who John the Baptist is. And they ask him a very pointed question, who are you? They say, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Right, are you the prophet, they ask him. Now the prophet, uh, this comes from Deuteronomy 18. So way back in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, there's a place where Moses says this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. So this mysterious prophet, a prophet like Moses, and of course there were people argued about who this prophet is. Was this the Messiah? Was this somebody else? And so just to cover all their bases, the people from Israel ask, are you the prophet? Right? Who are you? They know he's somebody great. They know he's somebody incredibly popular, uh, but they don't know who he is. And so they're asking him, you know, who do you think you are? (laughs) What are you here for? And and notice, uh, if you're John, this is your opportunity right, to promote your identity. This is your opportunity to put yourself out there, to shape your identity, to, be, to really become somebody great, right? You know, John, John's a rising star. He has the attention of the masses. He's gaining the attention of the religious elite. Now, if you're John, and this question is posed to you, this is your opportunity to gain a bigger following. Maybe go to Jerusalem, uh, you know, and, and, or maybe even go to Rome, something like that, and really put yourself out there and shape your identity and become somebody super Uh, you know, important. Uh, This is always the temptation uh, of of, uh, rising popularity, right? You know, you get uh, some status, you know, maybe your business is growing, your platform is growing, or uh, your popularity is growing. The temptation is to believe your own press, right? To put yourself out there to say, you know, maybe I am somebody important. Maybe Maybe I am the Messiah, I don't know. Maybe I am somebody great, Right, we like, you know, John has groupies, John has people around, and we like that. Uh, you know, I've recently, when I come home from work, my, my kids have started doing this, I don't know where they, they got this, but I, I walk in the door, and they all start chanting, praise for daddy, <laughs> praise for daddy, and it's almost like they're bowing down, like, an, you know, uh, native uh, people or something. And, uh, you know, my first response was like, no, no, I'm, I'm just a man, you know. But there's something about that that I kind of like, you know. <laughs> and I kind of look, Anita, why, how come you're not joining in on this here? <laughs> there's something that, that we like about, about prestige, about, about having an important status, about having an identity that, that is, uh, that is uh, you know, people look up to us. And this was John's opportunity. If I was John, maybe I would have printed t-shirts that said, John the Baptist, Messiah, question mark. You know, keep them guessing. Uh, keep them guessing about who I am, you know, and maybe that mystique is there. And, and uh, you know, let them think that I'm somebody really important. Let them think that, you know, I am somebody great. <clears throat> but notice John, John doesn't do this. Notice how John answers the question. And so it says uh, in verse 19, of course, the, the, uh, the scribes and Pharisees, they came out, who are you? You know, what is your identity? Uh, who who do, who do, how do we think about you, John? And notice how John answers the question. It says that he confessed, and he didn't deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. 
Now for John, in John's prologue, this is an important little you know, piece about John the Baptist. Uh, you know, the way he answers this question, uh, according to the Gospel of John, is, what, is what's so crucial about John the Baptist. This is why he's in the narrative. This is why he's so important. This is what he's here to teach us. When they come to him and they say, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you somebody important? What, what should we think about you? It says that John confessed. It's part of his witness. It's part of his testimony. John confessed, and John didn't deny. What did he confess? What did he not deny? He confessed, I am not the Christ. And John puts a fine point on it because they go on, are you, are you Elijah then? No, I'm not. Well, are you, are you the prophet? Nope. John confessed, and he didn't deny, I am not the Christ. John knew who he was. He knew who he wasn't. And they're asking him, John, are, are you somebody of monumental historic significance? Are you somebody great? John didn't use this opportunity to grab some, some great prestigious title. He simply said, no, I'm not. And then they said, well, who are you then? We've got to go back and t- they're getting frustrated here. We've got to go back and t- tell our people, who are you? Like, who are you then? You're out here preaching, uh, you're baptizing. John, who do we... Who, who do we say that you are? And he says, I am simply the voice. And here we get a glimpse of John's incredible self-understanding. Here's where John becomes a model for us. Here's where John becomes a, a, an example uh, to us who are thinking about who am I and, and what's my place in this world? And am I important? And where, what's my status, status relative to everybody else? Here John becomes, becomes an example. Because John simply says, I'm not anybody great, I'm just a voice. And this is the way all of us ought to think of ourselves as well. It's humble, it's, it's unassuming, it's realistic, and it's healthy. So this is what John thinks about himself. What I want you to see, though, is in, in Matthew chapter 11, it's interesting, uh, people come to Jesus, and they ask Jesus about John. So, uh, you know, later on, uh, people came to Jesus and said, well, Jesus, who was John? You know, he was kind of mysterious, and he didn't claim to be anybody great. John, who, who was John? Uh, and, and this is what Jesus says. This is in uh, Matthew 11. Jesus says, I'll tell you who John was. He says, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. Truly, truly, I say to you, among all born of women... There is not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. So what does Jesus say about John? Well, first of all, he says John was a person of monumental historic significance. John was a really important figure. In fact, John was so great that among all, you know, all human beings born among women, which, you know, that's a lot of people, right? unless there are any you know, aliens undercover here. That's all of us, right? All of us are born among women. He says, of all the human beings who have ever lived until this point, John is the greatest. And then he goes on, he says, John, so John says, I'm not Elijah, but what does Jesus say? He says, and if you're willing to accept it, he, he is the Elijah who is to come. So what do we see here? We see that Jesus had a far higher view of John the Baptist and his ministry than John did. 
John said, I'm not anybody great. I'm not anybody significant. And Jesus says, oh, oh yes, he was the Elijah. He was the greatest person who ever has lived. Now, who's right? John or Jesus? Well, it's been a long time, you know, history has gone by, and we do, we, we look back on John, and he was indeed a man of incredible monumental historic significance. Jesus was right. John was incredibly significant, incredibly important. John was wrong. John could not see his own greatness. Couldn't see his own greatness. Now, why? Why? Well, there are modern Americans, what do we say? Low self-esteem. <laughs> John had low self-esteem. He was so, he just, you know, he couldn't see how great he was. He was so kind of down on himself. But here's what I want you to see. There, there are two reasons why a person might not see their own greatness. Number one is maybe low self-esteem. They're so focused on themselves, so hyper-focused on themselves. They're picking apart every flaw. They're, they're so focused on their own weaknesses that they just don't see a, an accurate picture. They don't see the whole picture of who they are. But there's another reason why somebody might not see their own greatness. They're not even paying attention to themselves at all. They're so focused on God and other people that they've sort of forgotten their own ego. And this is John. This is why he's so great. This is why he's an example for us. Because a proper self-image, a, a, a real humble person, a healthy person is somebody who's sort of forgotten about self. They're, 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 so, they're always point, deflecting away from themselves and pointing people away from themselves to Jesus and, and, and focusing on other people. And this was John, John's answer to the question. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, in one of his books, he, he talks about humility and he says, Here, you know, here's the ideal, you know, here's a, a real good, healthy self-image. Here's a real humble person. And this is what C.S. Lewis uh, says. It kind of sounds like John. He says, do not imagine that if you met a really humble man or woman, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be the sort of uh, greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he's nobody, Probably all you'll think about him is that he seemed to be a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it'll be because you feel a little envious of, of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. John says, I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice pointing away from myself to somebody else. John has sort of lost himself. He's sort of uh, he, he's, he's not hyper-focused on who he is or what his position is or what his status is. He's deflecting the attention away from self to Jesus. And what a picture of a, of a healthy, a healthy self-image. You know, when you think about your body part, the healthy body parts that you have, you hardly ever notice that they're there, right? You know, if your stomach hurts, you're always thinking about your stomach. Oh, my stomach, and you're thinking about it all the time. If your stomach is healthy, you don't think about it. And when your ego is healthy, the healthy ego is the ego that doesn't even think about itself at all. If you're always thinking about yourself, always focused on yourself, always worried about your status, always worried about what people think about you, something's wrong with your ego. Right, the healthy body, you know, nobody walks around and says, oh, my elbow is just working like a charm today. You don't think about your elbow when it's working right, when it's healthy. And you don't think about your ego when it, your ego is healthy. And this is John, just a voice. 
I'm just a, vo- a voice pointing away from myself to Jesus, loving others, uh, deflecting the attention away. Now, what I love about this is normally you might think of someone like this as almost kind of a, you know, if, you know then he's not confident, right? He's, anybody who's like that, who's not focused on self or promoting themselves, they, they, they're not going to be confident then. They're not going to be courageous. But notice John. John, on the one hand, is, is so humble and so deflective, and yet on the other hand, he's incredibly bold, right? We know John. John is the guy who came to Herod and said, you know, stop committing adultery, and he was so bold and he was so courageous, you know, he's, he's out in the desert and he's so bold and he's preaching to such an extent that people go out and say, who do you think you are preaching like this? John was so humble and yet so bold, but this is a picture of a healthy ego. John also is not worried about, he has no anxiety about his status. Uh, the, the, here's another little piece about John. John just kind of didn't care. No anxiety about loss of status or gain in status. There's, there's a point later on in the story. We, don't see it, we didn't see it in what I read today, but uh, later on, uh, people start leaving John's ministry and they go to follow Jesus. And so John's uh, popularity and his influence, his, his platform is diminishing slowly. And they're all going to Jesus. And so his, John's disciples go to John and they say, hey, everybody's leaving. What are we gonna do? Isn't this terrible? And what did John say? No anxiety, no worry. He simply says, he must increase and I must decrease. He's not worried at all. The people are leaving. We, on the other hand, are incredibly worried about our status, always thinking about how, where, where do I stand? Where's my place? Do people like me? Am I important? So worried about the diminishment of our, of our influence. Uh, several years ago now, I was in Little Rock, and uh, my family, we were down, we were at a pizza place down by the, um, the, the, the market there by the river, and we were, we were eating pizza, you know, brand new here to Arkansas, and, and a woman, uh, she, we struck up a conversation with a woman at dinner, and she said, well, what brings you here to Arkansas? Why are you here? And I said, oh, well, I'm a pastor. And she, her eyes got lit up, and she said, ooh, you're a pastor. And not everybody admires uh, that you're a pastor. Some people don't want to talk to you, like on airplanes if you're a pastor, but she was super... She just thought I was awesome, and, and I liked that she thought I was awesome. <laughs> and so she's talking, and she's, oh, you're a pastor. Wow, where is it? And, and tell me about your church, and what an important job that is. And, and I was like, yes, it really is, uh-huh. Yes, yes. And then she saw her family, and she said, oh, your family is so precious. And she started, oh, your family, they're so well-behaved, so precious. And I was like, yes, yes, it's hard work. And at, at that very moment, at the very moment, uh, I think it was Jude leans over and just slaps his older brother in the face. And they start screaming there in the restaurant, like this meltdown, public embarrassment moment. If you're a parent, you've all been there. And so the other kids are mad, get, get mad too, and there's this big kind of uh, embarrassing public kind of situation that's happening. And all I can think of is, oh no, I need to get out of here. She still thinks I'm awesome. I need, let's just get, let's, come on, let's go. And my heart started, and, I, and so I grabbed the, you know, my, uh, Luke and Jude, and I start walking out of the restaurant, and I hear Anita saying, Brent, wait for me, and I turn around, I'd left her there. And so this is, uh, you know, really embarrassing now, and so we go back, and Anita comes, and, and we walk out of the restaurant, she says, oh, we need to get out of here, we need to get out of here, this is so embarrassing, preserve the image, preserve the image, I think we still preserved it, I think we're okay, and so we leave the restaurant, we're outside the door, and it's like, and then I realized we forgot to pay for the food. 
And so I have to do the march of shame back into the restaurant. And by this time, the image is blown. My, it's, it's all just, uh, you know, over. And, but this is how we are, isn't it? We are so concerned with our image. We're so concerned to preserve our importance. And John doesn't care. John doesn't care. John has no anxiety out of the fact that his influence is diminishing. No, just he must increase and I must decrease. I'm just a voice, that's all I am. Always deflecting away from himself. Not always thinking about his own ego. He's healthy. And he's so free. He's, look how free this guy is. You know, there's that scene in, in Rudy, uh, you know, the old movie, the movie about the football player where he's sitting in church and uh, the pastor looks at him and he says, uh, he says, here, here, there are two things that are true. There is a God and you are not God. And there is, there's a freedom that it brought to, to him when he realized that. I'm not the center of the universe. I'm not in control of my own life. I'm not my savior and my own Lord. I'm just a voice. And John was so free. He was so healthy. And he was able to focus on Jesus and other people. So let's ask, how did he get there? How did John, how did John get there? Because we need to get there too. Well, notice, uh, we didn't read it in our story, but... Uh, there's, there's a point in John's, in John's ministry where uh, Jesus shows up in the crowd. John's out in the desert, he's preaching, he's baptizing. Jesus shows up in the crowd. And John recognizes him. And he points at Jesus. This is the, really the, the heart of the passage. He points at Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the only imperative in the whole passage. This is the only thing that John tells anybody ever to do. And I think it's the key to getting a healthy self-image. You've got to behold Jesus. You've got to define yourself in light of who Jesus is. To get a self, you don't look around and say, well, where do I stand in relation to this person and that person and my colleague and and those people down the block? The the way to get a self-image is to be captured by Jesus, to define yourself in light of who he is. And John says, behold the Lamb of God. And this is John's whole life. John's whole, the word behold is the word gaze. It's the word uh, be captured with something. And John had such a healthy self-image because he was captured, he was defined, he was focused on Jesus. And in light of, of knowing Jesus and seeing Jesus, he discovered who he was. And you will too. Because what did John learn by by looking at Jesus? Number one, looking at Jesus, beholding Jesus, humbled John. There was one point where they said, "Are are you the Messiah? Are you God? Are you the Christ? He said, no. In fact, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. I'm not even in the same category. I'm not God. I'm not, not even close to it. I'm just a broken human being like everybody else. You see, seeing his life in light of Jesus, it humbled him. He realized he was broken, and this is what always happens to people when they truly encounter God in the Bible. Remember Isaiah said he saw God and he said, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm broken, I'm just, I'm just a man of unclean lips. And so when you see Jesus' is, is his holiness and his greatness and his superlativeness, when you truly get a, gr- a glimpse of that, it humbles you. You see yourself 
as the small person that you are. Uh, last night we were at a birthday party and it was kind of outside of town and when you, we went outside and you could see all the stars out there in the sky and uh, you could just see how big the, the universe is, just massive. And whenever, that, whenever I see that, it always reminds me of how small I am. And when you get a glimpse of the vastness and the greatness of Jesus, it humbles you. You truly see him. Getting a glimpse of Jesus also elevated him and exalted him because when he looked at Jesus, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God. Jesus Christ was not only great, he was also the Lamb of God. And what is the Lamb of God? The the Lamb of God is, is God sacrificed for us. It's God giving himself for us to take away our sins and give us an identity and and raise us up and make us children of God. He says, here is the Lamb of God. You know, I was so sinful that he had to come and die for me, but God loved me so much. God values me so much that he was willing to come. So when he looked at Jesus, he saw that he was elevated, that he was loved, that he was important to God. That in Jesus, his sins are taken away and he's made pure and righteous and worthy and clean. And then finally, when he looked at Jesus, his, 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 he was just captured with the beauty of this person. And have you ever noticed that when you are captured by beauty, whether it's a beautiful song or a beautiful sunset, anything beautiful, when you're captured by beauty, it pulls you out of yourself pulls you out of yourself. And this is John. John wasn't always walking around, so who who am I and and where do I, you know, what's my place in the world and how how important am I and do people like me and am I okay? No, no, no. He he had this blessed self-forgetfulness that came from focusing and defining himself in light of Jesus. And so this is what Christmas is about. Christmas is about, uh, for four weeks, We stop thinking about us and we start thinking about Jesus. And hopefully the more we see him and the more clearly we see him, the more accurate our view of ourselves will become. Healthy. So let me ask you a question at the very end here. Um, What what ways can can you point people away from yourself and to Jesus this Christmas? Think about the people in your life. How could you point your spouse to Jesus? How could you point your kids to Jesus? Away from yourself. I'm not God. I'm not the Savior. How, how could you point your kids to Jesus? How could you point your friends and your neighbors to Jesus? This is what John is here to teach us. I'm just the voice. And this morning, we're going to take communion. And uh, one of the great things about communion is, is it's a time where we can focus on the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so, um, you know, you come forward and you, and you think once again about your sin and about how Jesus, uh, you know, had to die for you. But then you also, you think about how loved you are, that he was willing to give himself and how beautiful he is, the Lamb of God. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we come to you this morning and, and John, John is here to, to answer a, the question, who am I? question that has such a contemporary ring to it, and John answered the question so well. The greatest man who ever lived, central to the Christmas story, God, I pray that we would learn from him, 
to, uh, with everything that we are, all of our lives, all of our words, all of our gifts, all of our platform, that we would learn to point people away from our own greatness and to you and who you are and what you've done and how beautiful your person is. And God, this morning as we take communion, we pray that you would teach us again, that you would focus our attention on the Lamb of God, that we could behold the Lamb of God who takes away not only the sins of the world, but our sins. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.